Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Heavenly Father, we come together this morning to worship You. That is why we gather together in church. Lord, I pray that we can be a people, a group of believers who can share their faith with others. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are almost done with the book of 1 Timothy, sound doctrine in the church. We are a few sermons away from completing this letter from Paul to Timothy as he pastors the church in Ephesus. And as we begin this morning, I just want to share a story with you. This comes from the Babylon Bee. Some of you have heard of the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee produces satire. But this is a little story that they shared, and it goes like this. I'm just going to read it. Progressive chickens at Studland Farms held a fox story time hour. Friday, which some of the older hens considered controversial. I think you could probably see why. During the event, various foxes were invited into the coop to read a story to the young chicks. Foxes reading stories to young chicks. A number of hens were reportedly offended by the fox volunteers. Oh, mind you, they volunteered their time to read these stories. I can't believe what they're teaching our youngins, said Pecky LaCorn. I know that there are foxes in the world, but to actually invite them into our coop to read to defenseless chicks, it's unsheepable, she says. Protest aside, LaCorn left her chicks in the care of the fox because she had a feathering appointment and babysitters were so hard to find. She reportedly took one last look and shook her head in dismay as Derek the fox read from Fox's Need to Eat Too and that it's perfectly normal and beautiful. Rooster McStavens, an old cluck who loves the little chicks, was insulted that anyone could be so bothered. I say, it's the year 2022, he crowed. Your chicks ain't suddenly going to turn into foxes by hanging out with one. This coop needs to mature, I say. We done living in the dark ages here. Foxes are beautiful. Hmm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Making things that were once unacceptable, acceptable. See, foxes, and for those of you that keep chickens, you should know that a fox is enemy number one when it comes to chickens or hens or roosters in a coop. Foxes are extremely smart, And not only are they extremely smart, but foxes are cunning because they even do reconnaissance before they even invade a coop. See, they don't just randomly pick a coop and then go in. No, they don't. See, they will do the recon. 
find out the patterns and the times that are best because a fox is either going to attack the coop in the early hours of the morning or the early hours of the evening. And they will do so when they know that they can break in undisturbed to have their meal. See, that is their strategy. But church, in speaking of deception that we see here in this cute little story from the Babylon Bee, and just so you know, the Babylon Bee is a Christian outfit. So what is being said here has everything to do with what we're getting to today. Because have you ever heard of the expression, a wolf's a wolf in sheep's clothing? We've all heard that, haven't we? See, that's no different than this. It's deception. It's deception to come in and to devour. And that's where we need to be careful because there are wolves in sheep's clothing in the church. And if there weren't, then we wouldn't see Paul writing what he writes to Timothy here in the end of the letter to Timothy while he's pastoring that church in Ephesus. But speaking of a wolf in sheep's clothing, what did Jesus have to say about this? Because we look to Matthew 7, verse 15, where Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Brothers and sisters, false teachers are nothing new. Even Moses warned about false prophets in Deuteronomy 13. See, false prophets and teachers will always have an audience that consists of those who only hear about things like self-empowerment. Because that's what a false teacher is going to give you. A false teacher is going to give you a false sense of security. A security that's only going to be achieved through your own self-empowerment. What you can do on your own. They may have the title of a pastor. They may use some verses out of the Bible. But at the end of the day, what they're preaching has nothing to do with Jesus. And it has everything to do with you. Don't you want to hear about yourself and how great you are and what you can achieve on your own? There's plenty of people that we know in your life who may attend a church, and I use the quotes loosely, thinking they're hearing the gospel, but really they're just hearing self-empowerment. They're hearing a motivational speech. They will hear about health, they will hear about wealth. They will be peddled prosperity. They will never have an audience that wants to listen to God's truth, though. The truth about the power and the resurrected Jesus who saved you, who saved me from our sin. The truth, a.k.a. what Jesus said in the beginning of Mark. The very beginning of Mark. What did Jesus say? He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of a God is at hand. Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. He doesn't say, believe in yourself. 
for your health, to achieve wealth and prosper all the day long. That's not what he says. He says, deny yourself, deny your sin, turn away from your sin and turn back towards me. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this, The Truth About False Teachers. The Truth About False Teachers. Today, as we have stated, we're going to be in 1 Timothy. We are finishing this letter in a few sermons to come, but today we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. But before we do that, we can't forget that last week Pastor Jared encouraged us to honor and obey our earthly bosses because when we honor and obey our earthly bosses, we ultimately bring honor and glory to God. It's not about us. It's about Him. Today it's all about what God's Word has to say, though, about false teachers. And that's what we're going to get into. So let's go ahead and do that right now. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness... He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Amen. As we want to put all of these verses, these three verses into one sentence, that sentence is going to look just like this. And this is our main idea for everything that we're talking about this morning. Where pride, profit, disunity, chaos, and jealousy come to me, a false teacher is sure to follow. It's just that simple. If you find yourself in the midst of an individual who's teaching a church and he's full of pride, preaching pride for profit, there's no unity amongst the people. It's sheer and utter chaos within the fellowship. And we are jealous of one another. Then be sure that a false teacher is at the helm of the wheel. So let's go ahead and get into these verses and see exactly why. Because right out the gate, what does Paul say? He says, a different doctrine. A different doctrine actually means anti-gospel. It's either the gospel or nothing. There is no different doctrine for us to be teaching. The gospel is all that we should be teaching. A different doctrine is exactly what would be taught by a fox during story time. That's a different doctrine. And that's a doctrine that gets taught with an unpure motivation. Because what's the fox's motivation to be in that coop? Dinner. See, that's really the problem that we're seeing in this text. The issue is false teaching. And the result of false teaching, it's like a disease. But the problem with false teaching is, it's a disease that murders the soul. If the gospel gives life to our soul for all of eternity, then false teaching has the 
purpose and intention of murdering your soul so you don't receive eternal life. And in my opinion, from a biblical perspective, so really I can't say this is my opinion, what the Bible teaches us about eternity through Jesus and our faith in Him, this should be enemy number one right here. It is not a pretty day for those who teach a different doctrine when they stand before the Lord. I don't want to be accused of teaching anything but Jesus Christ as a means to secure my eternal future. To stand before the Lord someday and have Him tell me in judgment that I prevented others from receiving eternal life because of the doctrine I was teaching would not be that pretty day. Again, we cannot forget the first two verses from last Sunday. The first two verses from chapter 6. That's why we preach all of this in context, verse by verse. Last week, we learned from Pastor Jared that it was all about the slave-to-master relationship. It was all about honor and glory going to God. But we achieved that through submission, obedience, and love. Motivational-type messages lack obedience, lack Submission. And you know what they truly lack? They lack the biblical definition of love. Because the world's going to say, no, no, you can't call that group out. If you say something that goes against what they are doing over there, you're not loving them. If I have mustard on my face and you don't tell me that I have mustard on my face, are you loving me? Love me by showing me and telling me that I have mustard on my face. You can even dap it off like my grandma used to do. I don't care. I want you to love me. But I want to love you too. We need to preach the truth, but do so in love as we're told in Ephesians. False teachers approach ministry like mercenaries. That's how they approach ministry. These false teachers get into ministry for profit. They get into ministry for personal gain. Brothers and sisters, we better know then, what does it say here? What does it say? Look, sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. We better know the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. We better know what he says in the beginning of the book of Mark. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. He doesn't say, just, just believe in the name of Jesus and everything's going to be okay. He doesn't say that. That's not the gospel. How many people do you know in your life that would claim to be a Christian, they say they believe in Jesus, but you don't see any repentance? It is not good enough to just know the name of Jesus and believe in Him. We must Repent as well. But see, when he says sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the teaching that accords with godliness, this is actually better known as the sword of the Spirit. This is our offensive weapon wielded against false teaching. See, if we know the words of Jesus, a.k.a. the gospel, if we know the gospel, then false teaching will stick out like a sore thumb. 
Think about Secret Service agents. When they train how to spot a counterfeit bill, do you know one of the first things that they do? I can tell you this right now, what they don't do. They don't go study counterfeit bills. They study the real thing. If you know what the real thing feels like, smells like, looks like, you can spot a fake a mile away. And I know this is true because I worked as a bouncer when Hope and I first got married and we were living in a college town and she was finishing her master's degree and the nights that they would let the underage kids in the bar, the owner would kind of let us know like, hey, let all the ones underage in and we'd have to sit out front. Nobody wanted to work the front door. They would stick the low man on the totem pole on the front door to check all the IDs. And usually that was my job. And when you got handed an ID, you didn't have to look at it sometimes to know if it was fake or real. But that's because I knew what the real one looked like. So do you know the gospel? Do you know the gospel well enough to compare it to false teaching? Do you even know the gospel well enough to ultimately be able to see false teaching stick out like a sore thumb? When you're listening to somebody share God's word with you, can you decipher between somebody just giving you verses and a motivational speech, or can you actually understand that they're teaching you God's full counsel in its context, in its entirety, from where they're at in the Bible? These are questions we all need to be asking ourselves. We all need to have a firm foundation on what the gospel teaches us, that it's faith alone, by God's grace alone, in Jesus alone. We need to ask ourselves the simple question when we sit underneath somebody else's teaching, is this more about he or me? Is this person making me feel like I can go out and slay the day, or is he pointing me to Jesus who was one and done. False teachers lack, what does it say here, godliness. See, their sin will always find them out. In the short time that I've been pursuing pastoral ministry from the time I probably had seminary come on my radar from the time I was first discipled and began to understand the gospel. There have been many, many prominent pastors on a national level who have fallen. Each and every time, their sin is exposed. It may not be exposed immediately, but eventually it will be exposed. And this is why it says they lack godliness. But see, the current trend today is for them to be exposed and then take a six-month break and then find themselves starting up another ministry again. Why? How is it that they can commit these horrendous, sinful atrocities within one ministry, take a break, and then start up another ministry on their own? Well, one reason is accountability. They didn't have the accountability set up, but also it's their audience their audience doesn't know the gospel. And because they don't know the gospel, they get hoodwinked by a wolf in sheep's clothing. Or they're a hen allowing foxes in 
to the hen house. Brothers and sisters, we're talking about enemy number one today. Enemy number one of the church. Anybody who preaches and teaches a false gospel. False teachers are, what does it say here, puffed up with conceit. So one of the signs that we can see in a false teacher is somebody who's puffed up by pride. Now, I'm going to call out some friends of mine who are pastors, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. And I'm dead serious when I say it. One of the things that I I just do not understand, it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. And there's an unwritten rule here at Villa's Grace because I don't understand this. And this is what I don't understand. And I know I'm probably going to offend some of my pastor friends, but in my opinion, in love, I'm just going to share this. I don't understand when pastors have profile pics on social media of them preaching solo. Why is it that a pastor needs to do that? Why do I need to have a professional photo of me taken right here with you sitting there? You are not in the shot. The lights are on me. And then I put that on social media like it's all about me and my teaching. Where's my wife at? Why am I having a social media account without my wife's presence? See, is the false teacher that you're sitting under conceited? Are they full of pride? Because in my opinion, if I, for me, in my conviction, have a profile pic that's just me on stage preaching and teaching God's word, I'm conceited. My ministry would be about me. Therefore, I'm finding myself in pride. The false teacher understands nothing, it says. Romans 1.22 says this, Claiming to be wise, they become fools, or they became fools. This is the current culture. This is the current culture that we live in today. All human intellect, all human insight is foolishness before the Lord. Let's face facts. We know and we understand far less than what we think. All these quote-unquote experts in the world, none of them get it right. None of them agree with each other. Human intellect and insight is foolishness before the Lord. The only way that we can truly be wise is to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Because the Bible tells us, we know from God's word that the beginning of wisdom and understanding is a fear of the Lord. Too many of us have a fear of man. Too many of us have a fear of Man, therefore, we do what we're told to go do, even if they tell us to allow the foxes in the hen house. I don't ever want to see a fox in this hen house. I don't ever want to be a sheep in a flock being led by a wolf in sheep's clothing. The false teacher lacks unity. We know this because Paul writes, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels. Basically, the false teacher is no different than an MC of a popularity contest. 
Because that's what those churches become. It becomes a popularity contest with the false teacher at the top. Brothers and sisters, look at the rest of verses 4 and 5. What does it say? Unhealthy craving for controversy, quarrels about words, envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, constant friction among people. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of our politicians. That reminds me of political theater. See, the false teacher is no different than what we see in our politicians. They create problems and then they come up with a solution later. They create this controversy within the church only to be the one to stand up before everybody on Sunday and have an answer. See, here's the thing. You need giants to slay. And so if you need giants to slay, I need to give you some giants to slay. So I'm going to create some giants in your life and then give you ways in which you can slay them. That's what a false teacher does. That's the psychology of a false teacher standing over a flock. But that's an individual who is murdering souls. I mean, we get up in arms about abortion. We're going to call that murder. But then we don't say anything about false teachers, which is worse. That's right, false teachers, because they're preventing the flock from hearing about eternity. Eternity. Eternal life. Create problems just to give you the solution. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to call a false teacher out by name this morning. We have one of his quotes that's going to be on the screen for you. We're going, to, we're going to look at this quote. We're going to break this down. This false teacher, his name is Stephen Furtick. Unless he repents of his false teaching, he will be condemned to hell for all of eternity. He will be condemned to the same place that he is sending his flock. I believe this man is my age, and he is considered to be a pastor of a quote-unquote church of tens of thousands of people. Let's look at this quote. What does it say? The reason we struggle with insecurity, Furtick says, is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. See, that sounds so good, doesn't it? On the surface, that quote seems legit. Because we all do it, don't we? We all know in life that, you know, who we are when nobody's looking We all know who we are behind that profile pic, really, don't we? And then we get on social media, and then we look at everybody else's life, and then we say, man, look at that highlight reel. So then we compare our behind the scenes with this life that they're portraying online. This is being peddled from the pulpit. Is this gospel truth? See, to me, this is true political theater. Because what's the problem? What's the problem that this false teacher is is unearthing for his audience? See, he's unearthing insecurity. He's highlighting everyone's insecurity that's listening to him use this quote. So true to a politician in political theater, the solution has to come from him, right? So he basically says, 
You're insecure, so what you need to do is stop comparing yourself to other people. That sounds good, and you need that reminder, and therefore, in that message for that week, you're going to go about your business not comparing yourself to other people because you can do it on your own. See, if you ask me, only MCs of popularity contests have audiences that need to hear things like that. If you know the gospel, you don't need to hear that. You shouldn't be told that you should stop comparing your behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, that shouldn't even be on your radar. The same false teacher that would produce envy now has a solution for the insecurity turned jealousy. So when you use quotes like this, you know what this tells me about his 10, 20, 30, 40,000 member church? You know what it really tells me about his church? That it's full of a bunch of insecure baby Christians who don't know the gospel. Who don't know that we need to repent, turn away from our sin, and turn back towards God. This is so self Centered, so self-focused, it makes me sick. But not as sick as what is ultimately happening here, the lack of the gospel being pre presented. Actually, this anti-gospel. Do you notice how it says in this quote, behind the scenes? It says behind the scenes. So what are we supposed to do? What is he really telling us to do? See, you know what's funny about this quote? He's actually creating more controversy in this quote. He highlighted everybody's insecurity through the controversy that he created in his ministry prior to just to bring up some more chaos, controversy, and disunity. Because what are we supposed to do then, Pastor Furtick? Because really, if you break this quote down, you know what it's really telling us to do? Don't compare your behind-the-scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. No, 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 don't, don't be foolish and do that. You know what you need to start doing, church? You need to start comparing your highlight reel with theirs. You know what we call that, what we've been calling that for a long time? Chasing the Jones. Chase the Jones, you're no different than a dog chasing its own tail. Again, Jesus began his ministry with one simple message. The kingdom, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It is that simple. Any message contrary to that is murder. Verse 5, see, this is easy for the false teacher to accomplish though. Because their audience is, what does it say here? Depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. I don't want you to ever be deprived of the truth. Our job is to make sure that you're not deprived of the truth. Because if you're not deprived of the truth, how would you be able to tell me I have mustard on my face? If you know the truth, you can tell me that I have mustard on my face. If I know the truth, I can do the same for you too. Again, in order for a secret service Agent, in order for them to spot a counterfeit, they must study the real 
things. So before we close, I'd like to take a look at the end of verse 5. And where it says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. False teachers are exposed by who they serve. That's ultimately how they're exposed. Because you cannot both serve God and then serve money. If you serve God, you're never going to serve money. But if you serve money, you'll never be able to serve God. You cannot do both. And one thing I can tell you here at Villa's Grace, as it pertains to motivation within ministry, every pastor that gets paid from this church, every person that's on staff at this church has a second job. Nobody here solely receives their monetary income from the church. Everybody has a second job. Now, there's multiple reasons why that's a good thing, and I'm not saying that's always going to be the case. The Lord could move in such a way here at Villa's Grace to where the pastors don't have time to have a second job. But one of the things I love about that fact now is all the people that we get to come in contact with with our relationships outside of the church. It is good to get outside of the church and meet people. Just this week, on Thursday at the barbershop, I had an individual come in that played softball with us and tell me, hey, Pastor Jared gave me a call earlier this week, and they were talking about business outside of softball, outside of church things, because they both have the same occupation, and Pastor Jared needed help on something. That connection would have never happened if Pastor Jared didn't have a job outside of the church. So the Lord can use this. It's, 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 it's more... It's used in more ways than one. But I don't want you to think that that's always going to be the case or always has to be the case. It may be, but one of the things that I'm encouraged by is the fact that nobody here right now is motivated solely to do ministry because of money. So as we close, I just want you to ask five questions about your teachers. There's five questions I think that we can all ask to determine whether or not the person we're sitting under is a false teacher. And you can do it for us here at VG, or you can do it for whoever you listen to on the radio or at home when you're watching TV. But here's some of these questions. The first question would be this. Does their ministry produce pride? Does their ministry produce pride? Another question you can ask, what does their ministry profit? What does it profit the overall ministry? What does it profit them personally? We can also ask, are the people under their ministry united? Do we see unity within the individuals underneath the ministry? Also, it would be wise to ask, are people being led into chaos or confusion? Do we see that the leader is leading them into chaos and confusion? I think an excellent example would be that quote that we shared. Leading them into their insecurity just to produce more insecurities by making them think that they're getting an answer for their life, but really causing more conflict and chaos and disunity. And ultimately, one of the questions we could ask is this. Does their ministry produce, as it says in our text today, envy, just so they can teach how to navigate through a culture of jealousy? Is envy being manufactured by the ministry just so the ministry can help you 
navigate your way through the jealousy and envy associated. And that's the reason why today we said this when we wanted to define all of these three verses into one simple sentence. Where pride, profit, disunity, chaos, and jealousy come to meet, a false teacher is sure to follow. Let's pray. Lord, our hope is to share you and you crucified. We want to share your grace that leads to faith. Thank you for your work upon the cross. And because of that, help us to share our faith with others so they can be with you in a relationship for all of eternity. We pray these things in the name who made this possible, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.